0: Can you hear me? I have something to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. I'm sorry there wasn't an episode yesterday, but my voice decided to spontaneously go away. And, well, it's hard to do a podcast when you can't hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sorry for I have no idea what happened. Um, I wasn't coughing a lot. I'm actually feeling a lot better. It's just yesterday, and you can still hear it today. My voice is still quite thin. But, yeah, for some reason yesterday, my voice decided to completely vanish on me. So, hopefully... My voice is okay. We can get through this. Um, We only have two more episodes in our... See, I originally wanted these to be the best of the year. And then I got to movies and TV. And, yeah. Okay. So, today we're talking about films. And, yeah. Okay. We watched a lot of movies this year. And I'm not going to talk about a lot of them. Because I really don't want to waste the time, energy, and effort to remember them. This was not a particularly great year for films as far as like the sheer number of really good movies that came out. And so I have broken up the films that we're going to talk about into three categories. Things that were on Netflix, things that were controlled by the Disney Corporation, And the one and only movie that made the list that I wanted to talk about that wasn't either of those things. Yeah, that, that disturbs me more than almost anything else is that of the things to talk about, I have one movie that was not under the control of either Disney or Netflix. So there's that and that one movie is Rampage. See, I thought about talking about Pacific Rim Uprising and some of the other films of that nature that came out this year, but eh, Rampage was the kaiju movie of the year, the big budget kaiju movie of the year. If you didn't watch it, Dwayne the Dro- Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his beloved white gorilla, oh my goodness, it was so good and i don't necessarily mean that in the way that like it should win academy awards or you know should be recognized as a paragon of filmmaking no it it was a giant monster movie that did everything you want a giant monster movie to do you, you all know if you've been listening for any period of time i love kaiju films i love giant monster movies And when I heard that they were making a movie out of Rampage, I, 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 I just didn't know what to think because, well, I, there's not a lot of story there. And then they cast Dwayne the Rock Johnson and, well, the Jumanji movie was impractically good and a lot of that had to do with him. Um... Oddly enough, the best video game movie I've ever seen based on a video game that doesn't exist. Kinda. So, there's that. And in an attempt to continuously atone for the sins of the Doom movie, that's D-O-O-M, not the D-H-O-O-M movies out of India that are incredible and amazing and over-the-top fantastic. We got Rampage, which honestly... Kind of is the best video game movie I've ever seen. Like, it takes the heart of the story. There are giant robots destroying a Giant robots. Giant monsters destroying a city. Finds a way to shoehorn the pretense of a story in there. So it can have a beginning, middle, and end. And there you go. It, It didn't need more than that. The characters, yeah, they're thin. The acting is beautifully over the top. And I love, I love that Dwayne Johnson is not only able to play the ultra-smart zoologist, but also has the kinship with the animals. I, I enjoyed this movie. George was a great character. The CGI work in this film was really good as well. It just it hit all the buttons for me. If you like giant monster movies and you skipped Rampage for some reason... Definitely check it out. It's it's really good. It it the the gorilla is amazing, the wolf, the gator, like all of the characters, they, they did they did a very good job. It will not change your life, it will not show you the meaning of life, and if you're wanting a deep character piece or something that really make you think, not the movie for you. But if you just like watching giant monsters destroying cities, yeah. It definitely was the film of the year. And now we move into our next section, which I'm going to save the Disney movies for after the break. So now we're going to talk about Netflix. Netflix put out a lot of movies this year and most of them were horrible. Utterly horrible. Uh, Titan, I think should get an honorable mention for it's a movie that could have done good things like Titan and mute both could have done good things, but just, just didn't. It just didn't. They could have, especially Titan. Titan had some moments where I thought it might zig instead of zag. And now, now it did, it did exactly what I thought it would do. It it was at least competent in that. And of course, you know, for honorable mention, I should mention the Cloverfield Paradox, which I think got Hit a little too hard. It is very B movie, but I like B movies. I, I enjoyed it. I, I again, it, it's not a great movie. The acting's not amazing. The story is not transformative. But eh. it was for what it was. It was okay. I enjoyed watching it, and that's really a big thing this year because there weren't a lot of movies that I enjoyed. I wanted to mention three movies on Netflix that I kind of enjoyed, but for very different reasons. First off, I wanted to talk about um, Sierra Burgess as a loser. I don't know how I feel about this movie. I really don't. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's basically, I don't know how to give to, to say too much. Well, I don't think you can really spoil this film. Like you watch the trailer and you pretty much know what it is. It's Mean Girls with catfishing, except for we don't have anybody really fall to the dark side. Kinda, I don't. Know, it, it is a weird catfishing romance story, and I found it oddly sweet and endearing. And I really liked how they dealt with the characters. They give us a lot of trope characters that we expect to see in a high school film like this where you have the jocks and the cheerleaders and the nerds and the geeks and you know, all that. But there was something about the way this movie was done that I, I found it very endearing. And I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but there's just, just, just this nagging, weird thing in the back of my head where it's kind of a movie about catfishing... And how that can end okay. If you were not aware, the basic plot of the film revolves around Sarah Burgess and her love interest, who is in love with this cheerleader, who, when the love interest asks the cheerleader for her phone number, she gives them Sierra's phone number because she's looking for work and she puts up a flyer with her phone number on it, so that's how the cheerleader has it. And the guy calls Sierra and hijinks ensue there's not much here if you just want to smile like it's a smiley movie which is one of the things that i needed this year um yeah it it, it made me smile it, it's cute it's also about how catfishing can lead to romance and i uh, but if, if you want to watch a cute romantic comedy kind of thing it, it was good um, Alex Love is the next one on my list. Uh, this is a coming out story. I'm kind of over coming out stories, but this one was cute and did things that I'm not used to seeing in a coming out movie. And I mean, that's the whole plot of the movie is, is he or isn't he? And you watch the trailer and, you know, instantly, well, it, it is Almost as body as the first American Pie movie, but without really stepping over the line too much. I like the characters that are in it, in in some ways. Like if John Hughes made gay movies, like this is the gay Pretty in Pink. This is the, not really the gay Breakfast Club, but you know the gay Sixteen Candles. Like It kind of fits into that pantheon of John Hughes movies. So if you're a fan of those kinds of films and wonder if anybody's making them anymore, this kind of is that kind of a movie. But it'll just make you smile. It'll make you laugh at some points. There's some parts of the movie that I think are really funny. Uh, There's especially a sequence dealing with a hallucinogenic frog that is quite good. Um, Yeah, it, again, won't change your life, but it was was worth watching. And the last one, which I actually think is worth watching, especially if you have kids. I think this was a very interesting film, and that was uh, Next Gen. When I saw the trailers for this movie, I thought it was going to be a knockoff of Big Hero 6. And in some ways... A little bit, but not really. Like, you could tell that it was probably originally conceived as, you know, a knockoff Big Hero 6. It has a lot of elements of that. But the characters and the setting is so different. Having such an anti-authoritarian character, just, you know, such a rebellious character as our lead was very entertaining and rather enjoyable the message of the story kind of flits back and forth between you know technology will eventually destroy us all technology will be the thing that saves us and we shouldn't offshore all of our relationships to robots and technology but if you can get past like evil Steve Jobs who is definitely a character in this movie um it has a really interesting relationship with you know the people in your life as they get older one of the most poignant aspects of this movie is our titular robot um basically breaks out of the lab before all of its components are installed and so it has very limited memory and to keep its memories of its time outside the lab it starts deleting other functions and other things that it doesn't need. And that one is, yeah, major plot points that I don't want to give away for the actual film itself, but as somebody who has watched several members of the family kind of go down to Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, it it rang true to me in a very interesting way, even though it's about a giant robot who can basically take on armies by himself, which is not a spoiler. That happens like the first time you meet him. <laughs> so, that's not really a spoiler. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it, especially if you have kids. I think your kids will really enjoy it. it. It was, it was really good. It's a, it's a movie I might actually watch again, like have on in the background while I'm doing things. I don't know that I'd sit down and watch it, watch it again. If you have kids, they probably will watch it over and over and over again. The main character is a lot like, um, Vanellope. From Wreck It Ralph. So if you know you have some kids in your family that are really into the Wreck It Ralph movies and really like Vanelope, then they probably will really like this film as well. So now just before we go over to break, I do want to say there are a lot of movies that I did not get to see this year because I have a lot of problems with my legs and my back and as you hear me often call our local theater the pain palace um so there are some films that came out in theaters this year that i have yet to see because they're not available yet because you know i didn't feel like you know two they were worth two days of leg and back pain to go see them in the theater and it takes a lot to get me to go to a theater to see a movie because of that so know i have not seen ralph breaks ralph breaks the internet or any of those so there are some films that i'll probably talk about next year that came out this year that i just haven't seen yet so if i missed your favorite not netflix not um not disney movie (laughs) definitely let me know because i may have just missed it it may have just passed under the radar or It may have been one of those movies that I didn't really enjoy and didn't want to talk about all that much because I'm trying to limit this mainly to films that I actually did like. So when we come back, we will talk about the movies that Disney owns. And we're back. Disney controls way too much of our entertainment world. And the next one, two, three, four, five movies I'm going to be talking about are all from a company owned by Disney, or actually I think one of them is from Disney itself. And that's the one I was going to start with first. And that's The Incredibles 2. Okay, so I know that there. this movie has a lot of uh, mixed feelings around it. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I think it did rehash the first film a bit too much, except for this time from Elastigirl's point of view. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing but it did feel more than and I'm going to talk about Solo in a minute and I will say that in- The Incredibles 2 even more than Solo felt like a cynical cash grab on the part of the Disney Corporation because it didn't really have a reason for being I think the story would have been much more interesting if we would have dealt with them getting through high school and you know through school like dash in school that was one of the most entertaining parts of the first film even though it wasn't in there that much and um i just lost her name uh violet violet's time in school was also very interesting there's some of that in this film not as much as i would have liked again i feel like they created a new syndrome for this movie and I don't think that that was necessary, at least not in the way that they did it. But since there will inevitably be an in Incredibles 3, I, I would like actually more time with the family dynamics. I mean, Jack-Jack is an interesting character. I would actually like to see him mature slightly. Like, that's one of the things I do want for the next movie. This movie takes place literally right after the first one. Because the first one ends with the underminer coming up. This actually begins with the underminer coming up and them saving everybody from him. I, I would like a bit of a time break, because I think, you know, Dash in high school would be interesting, Violet in college would be interesting, and a an older Jack Jack who can talk would be interesting. Just because it would change the dynamics enough that it would allow you to write a very different story than the one that they're doing. I doubt that's going to happen. Jack, Jack's going to be a baby forever, but eh, it wasn't bad. I I definitely would watch it again, but not, this isn't toy story. Like the toy story movies, they're all good. You know, almost, you know, borderline great. I mean, toy story three may be the best of the toy story movies. Cars 3 is definitely, I think, the best of the Cars movies. Uh, I don't know if uh, Incredibles will do that with... Maybe Incredibles 3 will be the best Incredibles movie, but it feels like a sequel. It was a sequel. Meh. It was fine. Okay, so Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, my goodness. I enjoyed Solo. Solo. And I don't know how many of you did. Mainly because not a lot of people went to the theater to see it. And I think that that was intentional. I have said for a very long time that I felt that Solo was intended to be not necessarily a flop, but an underperforming Star Wars movie. I think that that was intended. I think that was baked into its DNA. Because one, if you're going to do... Movies about any of the characters from the original series, Han Solo is definitely going to be one that people are going to want a movie on because so much of his story in canon is up for grabs that you could do that with him and Princess Leia. We kind of have Luke almost too locked in to do this kind of a story for him. I still want my Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, though. Definitely, please give me that. I want Cowboy Obi One on in the deserts of Tatooine. I, I just, I, I want it. I want to make that happen. But of course, as soon as you recast a, an actor like Harrison Ford, there's going to be some resistance to it, and that was kind of the test marketing for this: is could they recast and get a big enough audience? And they, I think the answer that they got was a maybe. Because when you actually look at the numbers for Solo, it didn't do as bad as a lot of people want to make it sound. But it did underperform what a Star Wars movie usually does. And a lot of that's because Rogue One was unexpectedly successful. I don't think that they, you know, really anticipated a Star Wars flick with no characters that you know from previous media. Unless you watched the Clone Wars animated series as Saul Guerrero, you know, premiered in that. All of the other characters were fresh and original for that movie. But it did better than they expected. And you have to modulate expectations or successful movies look like a failure. And I'll never forget this. You know, I forget, to forget which album it was, but it was, was it Music or Dr- Drown World? was a madonna album that came out and went like double platinum almost instantly and was considered a flop because it didn't sell as well as her previous album and that's when i realized that the press is stupid you know anybody would have been ecstatic with the sales but you know for any other album it would have sold great but because all we care about is growth and our capitalist economy it was deemed a failure And I do think that Solo takes a lot of pressure off of Episode Nine, whatever it eventually be called, whatever it's called, because as long as it performs in the in in the ballpark of what a Skywalker flick, a movie in the Skywalker saga, does, it will be seen as successful. And again, I think that was part of the purpose of Solo. These intermezzo films were meant to tap down excitement. And having said that, I loved Solo because they were honest to the character. He is a bumbling idiot who's incapable of doing anything right and if it wasn't for the people around him, would have died over and over and over again. And that's the character that we meet in this movie because that's who Han Solo is. I'll fight you on this. rewatch the movies that that's who Han Solo is. That's why I never liked Han Solo in the extended universe because they gave into the fan service Han Solo of him being some kind of like superhero. And of course, Lando Calrissian was the breakaway wonderful thing of the movie. And if they're going to do any more of these, could we please get Donald Glover back and do another Lando movie? Maybe call it love commander. (laughs) I would definitely go to the Pain Palace to watch that. Definitely. So, Solo was good. And now we get into the realm of the Marvel movies. We have three movies here that we're gonna talk about. We're gonna start with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, just cause I wanna do them in half alphabetical order. This was a good heist movie. I thought it was actually a little bit better than the first Ant-Man movie because it didn't have the baggage of explaining Ant-Man and his powers. Yeah, the I think the first Ant-Man movie was a good movie, but it had a lot of origin story stuff that it had to get through to get to be in a good movie. I, I really like how this worked. I liked the story. I liked the pacing. The end was wonderful. And I know it's the last of the three to come out, but I wanted to just... I didn't have a lot to say about it, so I just wanted to get it out of the way. I enjoyed it. If you like heist movies, if you like Paul Rudd, (laughs) it's a Paul Rudd comedy action flick, and it was very good. I enjoyed it. Black Panther. Oh my goodness. I do not have enough good words to say about Black Panther. As we already talked about, in my top tracks of the year, the soundtrack for Black Panther has been the soundtrack of the year for me. And I mean that in several different ways. I've been listening to Ludwig Göransson's actual soundtrack for the Black Panther movie. And he released a remix album of, uh, I think, five tracks from the soundtrack. They're so good. They're so good. You should definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't listened to them already. I don't know what I can say about Black Panther that hasn't been said already. It is a wonderful movie. It was great to see. It is up there and probably is my favorite of the Marvel movies. Just because the action sequences were astounding. The characters were very well written and very well fleshed out. Including the villain. Killmonger was an amazing villain who had a knack of almost convincing you that he's right even when he's not, which is a very hard road to, you know, go down. The story was good. The acting was amazing. There's there's nothing bad to say about this movie. It, it the, from, I mean, every aspect was done so well. That, I mean, it it is kind of now, it's, it's up there with the first Superman movie in, like, the pantheon of this is how you do a Superman, this is how you do a superhero movie. Like, this is how you do it. And a lot of that comes from being able to have developed the origin story of both Wak- Wakanda and the Black Panther character in the Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, in Civil War, which was necessary to get that out of the way. So this story could be what it was. Visually, it was breathtaking. The characters, the world that it built. Like, I want so many more movies set in Wakanda. I want so much here. Like, they did such a good job. I'm in love. And last and uh, most obvious, Avengers Infinity War. I am still flummoxed to this day that Marvel talked Disney into letting them do the snap. Now, I know that those of us who were familiar with comics, we knew it was going to happen. What surprised me is that it happened. Because a big tentpole movie like this, allowing it to have such a dark ending... I didn't think Disney had it in them. I really didn't think Disney had it in them, that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen earlier in the film, and they were going to find some way to mitigate it or make it better before you got to the end, because Marvel superhero movies end triumphantly. Like, they do. That's just the formula that they set up, and letting this movie have this dark ending was a stroke of brilliance on their part that I just didn't see coming. Because I, I, I honestly, I, I, you know, when I think about what will make the mouse the most money, because it's the easiest way to think about a Disney flick, how will this make Disney more money? Happy Yankees movies generally make more money than sad movies. And to not only give this movie the sad ending of the snap and everything that follows that, But that end card, when it pops up and says, Thanos will return, I, I got chills just thinking about that. And the fact that Disney, after 10 years, is still able to make superhero films that can give me chills, that's amazing and good on you. I wish I had some movies that weren't in these categories to talk about, and hopefully next year we will but we'll see i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did consider liking it if depending on the app that you're listening to me on you may be able to rate the individual episodes or the podcast itself it really does help me tell the it tells the algorithm that it should share me with more people and that really does help out a lot if you got a buck you can throw my way head over to um well depending on the app there'll be a button that says support or in the show notes you'll see a link that says support on anchor if you click that that'll let you support me at the one dollar five or dollar ten dollar levels that money really does help me out a lot today i spent over three hundred dollars buying software so the books that come out next year will look good so fingers crossed that y'all like the books Thank you for making that possible. I wouldn't have been able to do that without the support of my readers and you know all of y'all. So thank you so much for everything that you've done for me over the years. Um, we have one more episode. The next one will be on TV series, and then we're done for the year. So until next time, oh, Follow me on Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can find links to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com, which you will notice is getting a facelift because I'm wanting to do more stuff over there. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.